Hello and welcome, recorded at the ICC in Birmingham and the Inspiring Leadership Conference. It's a school leadership podcast special. Progressive ideas, conversations from schools and the newest concepts in education. This is the School Leadership Podcast. Now, how often have you grappled with the question of what makes a great leader, a leader that you want to believe in and follow. It's an international conference centre fizzing with ideas, constructive conversations and busy and interactive exhibit stands. Have a listen to the extensive wisdom of keynote speakers Marie-Claire Bretherton and Steve Munby, the always forward-looking Dave Copling, and a very honourable and decent take on leadership with Ed Balls. Inspiring leadership, inspiring conversations. Mike Wilkinson from Clickview. I think a good leader is someone who really inspires loyalty beyond reason more than anything else, who really taps into that discretionary effort of people because they've helped them to believe in the cause in which they serve. And that leader comes and joins them hand in glove to sort of embark upon that quest to achieve it together. And it's the togetherness that I think is really important in, in the really great leaders. Michaela, Tempest Photography. I think empathy, being able to empathise with your staff so you can understand their needs as well as your own and how to get the best for them and out of them. OK, let's get straight into an invigorating torrent of thoughts on leadership and the kind of world young people should be educated for. He's had a distinguished career with tech giants like Microsoft and Apple and now brings his alchemy to schools and businesses. His session here at the ICC was Rise of the Humans. It's Dave Coplin. You talked about children being handed this long outmoded view of the world. It's a theme that continues, a world that no longer exists, that they weren't being prepared and still aren't being prepared for for, uh, their place in it. So what of those sort of ensuing five years or so since since that thought germinated done to that position that you take you feel better about it or yeah I, I mean I do feel better about it John but the problem is the only reason I feel better about it is because of the horrible situation that we've just been through um, you know if we were sitting here in uh, what would it have been February 2020 nothing would have changed you know the kids are only doing technology when the laptop trolley comes around God forbid you might use a device in a lesson. You know, Jesus. And, and the pandemic has forced us to reevaluate that. I'm not sure that we've taken the opportunity as far as we might yet, because I think we have learned some really important lessons. Um, remote learning is a great example for me because it was amazing that teachers were able to do it and, and a huge effort on behalf of the teaching staff, but also the parents. And, and I think rather than thinking oh thank god we've not got to do that again we should be what what should we have had at the beginning of that process that we've made it because we now know right we now know that it's sort of the simple things um so what are we going to do about putting them in place again and not just because there might be another pandemic but because actually it gives us an opportunity to to actually reframe how we provide education if we're confident in how we can do it and i do think we need to spend some time with the parents we were sending parents home or sending home stuff with our kids 
and the parents were looking at how am I going to do this? You know, and everything needs to be printed, and or, you know, and 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 then the tech companies are coming in, and they're like, let me tell you about how these technologies are going to make learning fun. Until you can make my printer work, you can forget all this other stuff. So it's this sort of we've learned a bunch of lessons. L let us now take this opportunity and think. Well, what what could we do to take that further without throwing the baby out with the bathwater, um, but really giving us the opportunity to to do more in this space and to really change what we do. These are the dialogues I'm pretty confident we, you know, we're going to be having over the next two days and we should be continuing to have as we go forward and, and sort of get ready for what's going to happen in the next decade and beyond. There is, of course, this core idea that sits you know, very central. It's a sort of cornerstone of, of your thinking and your presentations that we should examine and constantly re-examine our relationship with technology. Are we anywhere near, particularly leaders, because it's about leadership here, anywhere near weaning ourselves off the idea that, hey, tech can do it, tech can solve our problems? Well, that's really interesting because, because I think we should be thinking that tech can do it, but we should be thinking about, A, whether we need to do it in the first place, number one, but n number two is, is really what are, we, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to solve? And, and it comes back to this, are we trying to replicate a old... Uh, process of education uh, you know th without really sort of questioning is that is that still the right process does the technology afford us a way of delivering the outcome of education in, in a different way and those are the things that I think leaders need to be grappling with where I love to see leaders is confident enough with the technology to know yeah I bet the technology can do that without having to get wrapped up in it and, and sort of technology will do stuff right that's we, we know that um, and, and it's also a bit when we were talking about kids coding earlier the, the, the thing that I would love everybody to have, not just the students, is is a confidence with technology that I get it, right? I may not know the answer now. I may not know explicitly how the technology can do it, but I'm confident enough to sort of to scratch around and see if I can figure out myself. And if I can't, I know somebody who I can talk to who probably will. So that sense of confidence, I think it's a really important characteristic for leaders, confidence in the technology rather than being a slave to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean... Your presentation this morning had this tone of seeing change as, as or making change palatable to the people rather than seeing change, oh, it's this dreadful thing that's looming over the horizon that we shouldn't have an adversarial relationship with, with changes in tech. So does a, a, a good leader, is that really their function, to make things more palatable? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I think it's more than just sort of sugarcoating uh, it, it's about really understanding and, and even you know I, I said on stage this morning I had an epiphany because I was talking about these things as challenges these are the big challenges but, and you know what you know they are challenges but they are big changes in our society and I think when we understand them and you can contextualize them and that's what I try to do with the audience is let me tell you why this technology is so important and, and if we understand that context, then actually we can all see the need, need to make a difference. And so I think the role for leaders and leadership is really about establishing that context and really helping people understand the potential uh, such that they can do their part to help get everybody ready or make the change themselves. I think as we continue through this process of, you know, let's call it digital transformation, I'm not sure I like the phrase, but where, where digital's doing more for us in our lives... The more we can free ourselves up, our minds up, be resilient and open to the sort of why are we doing this and how does it get us to where we want to be, the better we can be rather than fixating on the, well, I don't like that process or I don't like that tool or I don't know how to use that tool. It's sort of that detracts us from the opportunity. 
there are demonstrably big ideas, clear statements in what you've said here in Birmingham today, Dave. But I don't know if I maybe inadvertently stumbled across, certainly for educators, potentially schools, the biggest one of all. You suggest that it seems crazy, understandably, to just remember facts, just to have this kind of you know, bank of facts at your disposal from your own head. But, I mean, d- does that regurgitation, are you suggesting then that actually exams should be redundant, that, that there should be wholesale change of, of the exam system? Yes, but there's a hesitation there. Um, and, and I think there's a balance to be struck. And it's really easy for, for when you listen to me talk it's really easy for me to send you into a binary sort of place where it's all digital we don't need any of that stuff which is it's clearly wrong but, but but there's a balance to be struck and so I use the example of you know do I need to know every minutiae of detail about a specific thing probably not do I need to know the context of it and you know in a math terms do I need to understand which buttons to push on the calculator yeah I do but the rest give me the tools to be able to find out for myself and apply it right that that's the core principle exams as the only form of measurement i think are problematic and and there are a number of, i mean and, and and you know this audience well knows there are all sorts of reasons why why they are a problem i think there there's a place for them but i would much rather see a much more balanced way of assessing an individual's capability and performance strengths and weaknesses such that they can be nurtured and addressed to, to help them achieve what they should be ch- achieving through the education system and i think technology can play a part in that um i just you know i spend a lot of my time in organizations people at work and i look at how people are at work and i look at the skills that they use to do their jobs a myriad of different jobs and i think those base skills and we talked about creativity and empathy and accountability amongst others they're the things that become really important for students and i think our focus needs to be on how do we give them those sort of tools that are resilient that sort of that love of learning those are the things that are super tough to measure and I, and, I, and I get that and we've got to deal with that kind of ambiguity but I think this blended sort of way of assessment such that we're delivering individualized learning becomes really important technology already puts that within our grasp you know it's there today it's not it's not nothing new I'm gonna wait for anything it's there but it's the mindset that we've got um, and also I think it's the societal mindset we've got about how we measure the success of education you know the language is all wrong today it's all about you know we, we know when schools are pitching to parents it's about the grades that they get it's the universities their students go on to it's all wrong you know these are different measures that we're looking for um, and I think that's part of a broader change in society that we need to respond to uh, lots of amens and nods from teachers, <laughs> I suspect, here in Birmingham and, and the country at large. Um, last thought, Dave, the conference obviously is inspiring leadership. What do you find inspires from a leader, either leaders that you work for, leaders that you see in other sectors? You know, What really kind of does it for you in leadership? The aha moments or the epiphanies I've had in my life, whenever you think, bloody hell, that's a great leader, it's, it's people who have the broader context in mind. So, you know, for example, the best boss I ever had was the boss that thought about my entire career, not just my career with the organization we both work for. So it's that holistic view. And I've seen that in in my industry. If I think about great leaders of tech companies, those that are trying to strive to elevate society through the application of, you know, ultimately their products. Um, 
I think is you, then you think yeah I could, I could get behind that and I think when it comes to education I think it's those leaders who are really looking at the context of what kind of a society do we want to build because you are you, you know you are creating the building blocks of our future society and, and, and those leaders that understand that and are able to play their part in, in delivering against that, that's the, I mean, that's why I love working in education, if I'm honest, because I think most teachers start out in that place. You know, this is my opportunity to help build a better world. And I think the more we can free teachers up to be able to do that, the more we can give them the tools to be able to focus on where they add the most value, that's where I get sort of the inspiring leadership, and I see that in, in educators. And you can see it in the conversation today, the people, the questions that, that are being asked are really, really great questions. And the, for me, they're the right questions to be asking. Um, so you can see that starting to play out. And our thanks to Dave Coplin, whose website is theenvisioners.com, theenvisioners.com. Before too long, the concept of respect and how leadership can be undermined by someone who has known and been in the upper echelons of power in the heart of Westminster. From the Inspiring Leadership Conference, this is the School Leadership Podcast from NAHT. It's time to hear from Marie-Claire Bretherton and Steve Munby, who are about to go on stage and then sign copies of their joint new book, which is called Imperfect Leadership in Action. Let's hear where they think the good places are to pick up the newest concepts in leadership. Well, I think there are a number of kind of great programmes and courses and books to read, but I think for me, I would suggest that actually it's about finding mentors and other people who are leading who are a bit ahead of you in the journey and and use their lived experience as a way of learning about how leadership translates in different contexts um, and and learn from practitioners, learn from people who are, who are doing the job. Yeah, I've always said the best way to learn to lead is by leading, but you need two other things there. You need First of all, you need to get feedback from people who are observing your lead. But secondly, you need to be exposed to what's happening in other places. So I'd say one of the best things you can do to improve your leadership isn't just ask for feedback, it's also to go and see different leaders in different contexts and learn from them. That sort of judgment of leaders, great leaders, best leaders, strong, effective leaders, they can often be extremely subjective terms, can't they? I mean, you, you both know how you quantify a good leader, but for others it can be more subjective. I mean, how, how do you identify a sort of universally acceptable set of criteria for for leadership best practice i'm very wary of trying to do that to be honest Uh, most systems around the world do try and set out some kind of set of standards uh, and a lot of that's based on research there are people uh, like vivian robinson who's done a lot of work on what are you know international standards for leadership but i'm a bit wary of it because a i think it should be context specific uh, not just context-specific in terms of system to system, England versus Australia, but context-specific in terms of rural or urban, large or small, different county communities. So I think there is a room for some kind of standards. And I was the chief exec of the National College for School Leadership when we had standards for MPQH. So I think there's a need for that. I think we should be wary of putting too much emphasis on that aspect when it should be more nuanced to fit the particular context. Do you think it's... Um important to have worked or as important to work for a, a poor leader or, or, or an indifferent leader as it is to have worked under a, a really good one? 
I think you can learn from 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 leaders of all sorts of you know learn learn from the leadership experiences of, of people in all sorts of different contexts and different approaches. Um, I think ultimately you, you your learning really is about what you do with that in terms of crafting your own leadership, um, rather than sitting in judgment about the people that are leading you. That actually you take that and reflect on what does that say about uh, your, your own uh, context. So I wouldn't necessarily say it was preferable, um, but I think it's more if you're going to develop yourself as a leader, it's more about what you do with that in terms of using it to develop self-awareness yourself. When I was at the National College School Leadership, we we asked people why they became head teachers, and the single most common answer was a head teacher they'd worked with, either a great head teacher who had motivated them, encouraged them, modelled good leadership for them, and encouraged them to step up, or a not very good head teacher, and they were vowed they could do it better. But the, the single most biggest factor was having worked with a head teacher, good or bad. If you were looking to sum up inspiring leadership, which is what today and tomorrow is about, what would inspire you both from a leader? You know, what would motivate you? For, for me, it's always about the authenticity of the story. It's always about the real person, um, the real ups and downs and the, and the real... Um, sort of self-reflection and honesty in that and we've heard that today from colleagues that we've heard speak where they've shared their own experiences and actually that frames it and I think what's inspiring about that is it reminds us that we are all human beings there is no perfect leader we all have our our idiosyncrasies and our quirks but what really matters is what you do with that in terms of inspiring you to grow and develop and and, uh, and improve in the way that you turn up for people um, so that, that would be it for me fully agree with what Marie-Claire said I think there's a danger that we, we have kind of stereotypes of leaders there can be all kinds of leaders there can be quiet leaders loud leaders leaders who are good at data leaders who are good at public speaking but it's about in the end it's about authenticity whether you take people with you inspiring leadership inspiring conversations my name's ben and the company name sports plus scheme limited all the leaders we need to be able to demonstrate to the staff what we can do we've all done the job we need to be honest with the staff we need to set realistic targets and goals for the staff. And I think just generally being honest and when we feed back to them, just talking to them about what's gone really well and the areas that they can improve on. Yeah, so I'm Sarah uh, from British Gymnastics. It needs to be somebody that's a strong decision maker, somebody that has great influencing capabilities, that needs to be likeable, somebody that you can respect um, and also trust. So, our next and final guest stepped onto the stage at just after half past four on the first day of conference where he chatted with conference facilitator Jane Jane Creasy on his time in politics, also facing up to the challenge of having a stammer and the subsequent charity work that he and Colin Firth do with stammerers. And, of course, there was the inevitable talk of Strictly. It's time to catch up with Ed Balls and his thoughts on leadership. Inspiring leadership. Inspiring conversations. Ed, I noticed very much there was a lot of decency that uh, underpinned the things that you said. How much of an emphasis on that, on decency, do you think there should be in, in leadership generally? I think it's about respect. You have to respect um, the institution you work in and it's um, the people you work with, the people you're serving and uh, and always trying to do the right thing but never believe that you are you know, 
bigger than the task and the place. If people feel that there is not respect, then the leadership starts to be undermined. Um, you illustrated this idea of, of those in leadership challenging each other and automatically deferring that, that not having that deferential sort of relationship. That position, then, do you advocate something akin to that in education in schools where a head and a deputy head should perhaps be a loggerhead more? And that, to use your phrase about politics, that they shouldn't be friends. Politics is like necessarily different from uh, a company or a school because. In the end, you have a head teacher, a chief executive, who is the decision maker. And in politics, the power is more diffuse. I mean, the prime minister is only ever first among equals. Every cabinet member has their own standing. And if they're sacked from the cabinet, they're not sacked from parliament, and they can, they can challenge. So inevitably in politics, there's always a kind of structural challenge. So I'm not saying that a school should be run where... The head teacher has to have a cabinet, take votes and could have open dissent. But I think a good head teacher will want to have a leadership team which is not in place because they have signed up to always agree or that they share every detailed aspect of the philosophy and its implementation, but that they're people who you know, have experience and views and in a trusted environment can can be very clear about what they think is right and what they think is wrong. I'm sure at a school, in the end, you have to walk out to talk to the wider staff room, to parents, to the pupils, and somebody has to decide. But, yes, I think a good head would want deputy heads who not only didn't fear to speak up if they were worried about something happening, but were actively encouraged to do so. Today and tomorrow, obviously, is all about leadership, inspiring leadership. T- tell us the, the unexciting disciplines that you think underpin the more glamorous aspects, the outward aspects of, of leadership. What's the, the kind of meat and drink that perhaps isn't as sophisticated or celebrated of a good leader? I think you have to be clear about your strategic purpose, not about your kind of simply your tactical decisions, but why you're doing it. And in most places, that will have a moral dimension. There's a cause to that. I think you, um, you then have to have a group of people around you who, who share that, that mission, but bring their own expertise and who you can trust to challenge. And then your task then as a leader is to, um, to communicate more widely why the decisions you're making are delivering those goals while always looking for the new information the thing which is going wrong the thing which is sort of changing the environment in which you're working you know i don't think as a good leader you're wanting to change your strategy day to day week to week year to year but if you aren't always thinking is there something happening which is throwing us course us off course and which means we might need to readjust tactical shift if, if you're kind of blinkered and dogged so I think um, good leaders have to have that, that clarity team building communication skills but also the, the ability to, um, to to spot when things are going wrong and act quickly And what informs your own view Ed of, of what good solid leadership is now in 2022? I think it always starts with um, an understanding of the world and what is new and what is changing and the 
the new challenges and it also um, starts from kind of learning from what others have tried to do but I guess um, there's some parts of the world where you've had a lurch back into rather more dictatorial centralist um, populist leadership I just don't think we're that kind of country I think uh, people who think that they can dictate don't last as leaders sometimes they don't even make it as leaders in the first place we're a country where I think you have to be willing to build consensus about what you're trying to achieve and bring people with you and I don't think that that has changed in fact maybe that's become more important and and what would you say is the the kind of without being overtly dramatic the unseen pain that a leader will have to endure that 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 they internalize that, that only they can deal with is is there such a thing and what are those those elements it's just um, just lonely because in the end good leaders take take responsibility for when things go wrong they they share success uh, if they're good but in the end um, when things are hard or when things are going wrong I think good leaders have to take responsibility and in the period where you can see things happening which you you can't manage can't control that can be I think a pretty lonely a lonely thing most people who are leaders not all certainly in politics though tend to um, kind of end because something fails mm-hmm. and I think the, the period where things are going wrong can be quite lonely but you always have to be able to look back and see the things which we did which succeeded and lasted I think I see your car Ed so at yeah. that point we will say thank you thank, very much thank you for having thank me you. thank you as always for listening to the School Leadership Podcast all of the future episodes, the content that comes out from us from here on in can easily be accessed if you subscribe on the place you get your podcast from. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Live, Radio Public and more. We are, of course, always keen, very enthusiastic to hear what you say about the podcast, your reviews, your feedback. And if you can take a few minutes to write an online review, that would be just fantastic. NAHT is a professional association and union for school leaders. To discover more about the benefits of being an NAHT member, go online to naht.org.uk forward slash join. With social media, you can follow us on Twitter. Our account is at NAHT News. From the ICC in Birmingham and the Inspiring Leadership Conference, it's goodbye. Leadership that's inspired conversations that leave a mark.